Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Turn with me in your Bibles back to the book of Romans. Last week we looked at the book of Romans and uh, we saw uh, what a bad deal we have in our our life uh, when it comes to the fact that we're all born into sin. And that's that's basically where uh, we kind of left off. We kind of left with a cliffhanger almost uh, where we talked about how uh, if we try and live by the law, as, as Paul was talking to uh, Jewish Christians that were in Rome and, and uh, as well as Gentiles, uh, he, he was focused on the fact that a lot of Jewish Christians, a lot of uh, Christians during his time, uh, they focused on the fact that people had to uh, have... Uh, their lives changed and tr- uh, as uh, going from being a Gentile to converting to a Jew. And then uh, once they did that, then they could uh, accept Jesus into their heart and life. Paul was saying, look, we're all doomed. We're all under the curse of sin. We all have been born into sin and we're all destitute the law is all the law has done is show us the righteousness of God and shown us how bad we are in that we need a savior and we kind of left there at that uh, so today we're going to look in chapter three of Romans uh, we you know we're kind of jumping over chapter two but basically uh, Paul throughout the rest of chapter two, uh, rest of chapter one and chapter two basically talks about doom and gloom you know uh if you ever watched that old tv show hee-haw uh all those guys sitting around the uh the ramshackle uh shed uh talking about doom and gloom and agony on me and and that's really what paul was doing was talking about how doomed and gloomy life is if we try and live under the law because the law does nothing but point the fact that we can't live under the law the law in every aspect of what the law does basically says uh, this is how you're supposed to live and there's not a one of us that can live under that and a lot of Jewish people thought, well, I can live under the law, and they tried to keep most of the law. But you know, we don't, uh, being in the United States and, and in the South, uh, we, we typically don't think about a lot of Jewish people in one area, but there are some areas in the United States and other places in the world where there are a, lot of, a large concentration of Jews. But uh, this isn't just about Jewish people. This isn't uh, just a problem that the Jewish people had at the time of Paul. Uh, Paul's problem with the Jewish people was that, uh, and he was one of them, so he could talk about them, okay? Uh, His problem was that all of them thought that, well, since I'm a a son of Abraham, since I'm a Jewish person, then I'm a part of God's elect. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, though we're not Jewish, uh, we fall into the same kind of trap. Now, uh, 
We don't, it's not exactly the same as those people in, in Paul's day, but our problem is, is that it's not uh, people saying, well, because I'm Jewish, I'm part of God's elect. It's uh, people saying, well, because I live in a Christian home, You've heard people say this. Oh, I grew up in a Christian home. And obviously, because of that, they say to themselves, well, because of that, then I'm a good Christian person too. Uh, my parents are Christians. And, and it's almost like uh, uh, if you grew up a de- uh, in a Democrat home, you were expected to become a Democrat. Or if you grew up in a Republican home, you were expected to grow up and be a Republican. It's not just simply because you grew up in a good Christian home that you are automatically a Christian. I mean... Uh, we can't. Uh, uh, there's a funny joke about that that says, uh, "If you feel that way, then stay out of McDonald's because you might grow up to be a Big Mac, or uh, uh, stay out of the garage. You might grow up to be a VW Bug." I mean, uh, you can't just by simply being at church, be or or. Let's take it another step further. Just simply being a good person doesn't make you automatically a Christian. A lot of people want to say, you know, well, I haven't gone out and murdered anybody. I haven't gone out and uh, robbed a bank. I haven't gone out and uh, uh, stole from a bunch of people. Or I haven't gone out and... and uh, 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 cheated on my wife or cheated on my husband. I'm a good person, therefore I'm, I'm okay with God and He's going to let me into heaven. Uh, that kind of mentality is, well, I haven't made a million dollars, so I'm a good person. Uh, no, uh, it just means I haven't made a bunch of money or uh, haven't lived a privileged lifestyle. Uh, just because just you don't do those things doesn't automatically make you a Christian, doesn't automatically make you right with God. I want to start out today, uh, and that's kind of a a prelude to all that we've been through so far and kind of getting you uh, back up to speed here in case you missed or forgot uh, last week. Uh, If you could change something about yourself by, by just snapping the fingers, would you do it? If there was one thing that you could change about yourself... With a simple snap of the fingers or just simply thinking about it, would you, is there anything in your life that you would change? Think about that for a minute and don't give me your answer because uh, I can just amount. Look, no matter how you are, no matter who you are, just about every one of us, when we go and we stand in front of that mirror, we always look at something. It doesn't matter how vain we are. doesn't matter how good we think we look. doesn't matter how, how much everybody else tells us how good we are. There's always that one little thing that every single person sees that maybe nobody else sees that we all say, well, I want to change this. I want to change that. I w- I'm going to take this spot on my face and move it over here. I want to take this spot off completely. Or I want to... Uh, I wish my eyebrows were even or I wish my hair was fuller or shorter or long. Well, you know, those things you can change, but uh, there's some things you can't change. But if there was one thing that you could change by just simply snapping your fingers, uh, what would it be? Now, think about that in a little bit broader sense and think if there was one thing in the world you could change, 
one thing in the world that you could change by simply snapping your fingers. Think about that. Would you do that? Would you, would you, I mean, all of us, you know, probably uh, think about uh, all the different things that are going on in the world. And there's always something that we feel like, you know, maybe it's to end hunger throughout the world. Maybe it's to stop wars throughout the world. Maybe it's to uh, stamp out poverty or whatever it is, uh, whatever it might be. If it was as simple as snapping your fingers, wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you do that? I mean, boy, how how selfish would you be if you could and you didn't? Now, think about this. If there's obviously something that you could change about yourself or something you could change about the world, then what's that say about the world? Why does the world need correction? Why is it? I mean, you flip on the news any night of the week and you're, you're going to see not all the good things that are happening. I, I faced this a lot when I was working in the newspaper business. Uh, uh, why, don't you, why do you put all the negative stuff in the paper? Why don't you put all kinds of good stuff in there? And I'd always tell them because nobody would buy it if I put all the only good stuff. Um, and that's what that's the pro, uh, that's why they do it on the TV news too. Is uh, people they're not gonna they're not there's heartwarming st- warming stories all over Facebook and all over the internet about this person doing this and that person doing that. Uh, I got snookered into into clicking on one of those this week. I was sitting there reading through something and and it was talking about. This woman uh, uh, was stopped by the police and she was amazed when uh, he asked to uh, search her trunk. And well, as it turned out, it was a story about a, a police officer that went above and beyond the call of duty instead of searching for contraband or something like it made you believe. And that's how they hook you, you know, uh, the injustice of the police officer doing this. Instead, it was a story about a police officer who stopped a woman because her brake lights weren't working. And she uh, was on her way to a job interview and she was trying to, to get there and, and he stopped her. And, and he could have easily given her a ticket because her brake lights weren't working. She didn't even know about it. But she said, well, I got them fixed. And, and the mechanic uh, wanted to do a test on them to make sure they work uh that cost six hundred dollars but she didn't have the money and or she got finagled into paying the money for that they still weren't working and so the police officer asked to look in her trunk not for something wrong but to try and fix her brake lights and it was a story about it was a good story it was you know heartwarming to hear about a police officer instead of uh simply writing her a ticket and telling her to go get it fixed he went and tried to find out what was wrong and that's a good story but those don't uh those heartwarming stories don't always do well on the news and so we see stories about people dying, people going through suffering, people in war and battle and things like that. But the reason that all of those things are going on is there's, uh, there's something wrong with the world, right? I mean, if you could snap your fingers and change something, it means that something's wrong. 
Well, as we found out last week, as we studied with Paul in the first chapter of Romans, we found out what that something wrong is. It's sin in the world. Sin is a, a, a prolific problem throughout all the world. Uh, it doesn't matter what government we have. It doesn't matter who we have sitting in the Oval Office or in the Prime Minister's prime minister seat in other countries or, or the King's seat, Queen's seat. No matter who it might be that's in leadership, it doesn't matter how good that person is that's sitting in that key place of leadership, we're always going to have problems in the world because there's sin throughout our world. There's sin that just uh, uh, goes permeates throughout all of the world. And as we look at uh, that, we wonder, well, why couldn't God do something to change that? Why doesn't God... And, you know, a lot of times people ask uh, pastors uh, this question, and I love it when I get this question. Well, if God is so good, if God is so loving, then why doesn't God do something about all the things that are going on in the world? And I just get a big smile on my face because guess what? I tell them, He did. He did do something about it. He did. He, ch- he, he It wasn't as easy as snapping his fingers. He could have done it that easy. If God's so good, if God's so wonderful, why didn't He just eliminate all sin? Well, He did. But He did it through Jesus Christ. And He did it in a way that allows us to continue to have our free will, our free, uh, our a life of, of doing as uh, we choose rather than being... Uh, automatons are being robots and having to do things without any conscience. Look, in, if you will, with me in chapter 3, verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are uh, passed through the forbearance of God. To deliver, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and that the just uh, justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So, uh, first of all, I want you to go back to verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has uh, been manifest without the law. Uh, we need to understand first and foremost that God's righteousness being displayed is not dependent upon the unrighteousness of man. But rather, Paul says, look, and and look how this verse begins. It says, but now. This is a clear indication of a transition that Paul is going from that talk about how uh, destitute and how uh, uh, helpless man is because of our sin. He, sa- he says, but now, but now I'm going to tell you the other s- side of the story. Like uh, Paul Harvey used to say, and now the rest of the story, uh, after he goes through the whole litany of all these things that are wrong with humanity, all these things that are wrong because of our sin, Paul says, but now... 
But now God demonstrates His righteousness in that, and it's not dependent upon the law uh, as as most of the uh, most of the Jewish Christians uh, wanted to uh, to point always to the law, pointing always, oh, we've got to live by the law, we've got to do all this by the law, as if that might make us righteous. Uh, Paul says God demonstrates His righteousness regardless of the law. He says it's not dependent upon the law. God's righteousness is greater than the law. And he says, with, uh, but it's important because it helps. Uh, the law is, is necessary because it helps us to understand how great God's righteousness is. He says, and it's witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, what that phrase means is, is Paul is using a terminology like he's talking about uh, a courtroom and he's talking about a scene. And those of you who grew up watching Perry Mason or you uh, uh, grow up watching uh, Matlock, uh, not Matt. what's the other one that the, uh, the, uh, the Andy Griffith uh, lawyer? Uh, yeah, it is Matlock. Matlock, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought I had the wrong name. Um, but, uh, or what you, you, Law and Order or whatever other uh, law series, you know, it seems like uh, at some points in, in history, it's everything that's on TV is cops and lawyers and doctors. Uh, you know, that's about all that's on TV. Uh, but uh, we like to see courtroom dramas. We even have reality shows that are in the courtroom, and, and we love watching the law the process of the law and Paul is is building a an image of a courtroom in your mind with this discussion and he says look you've already been standing at the bar at the bench and you've been you've been declared guilty you've been you've been standing there and your guilt these are all your transgressions of the law all of the things they've laid out the charges against you and in the laying out of all those charges it, you sink lower and lower because yep you did all those things did all those things and now your advocate Jesus Christ is standing there and he's he's getting to work on all of that and he begins with the righteousness of God the righteousness of God is is witnessed by the law and the prophets he says uh, they're like the uh, the jury sitting in the box and they're the law and the prophets and and they're sitting there as witnesses to this and and they see the 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 righteousness of God and it's demonstrated to them and verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Now, Paul is saying, and this is something that, that we've got to get through our thick skull too because it's still a problem. He, Paul was saying, look, the righteousness of God is demonstrated through uh, faith in Jesus Christ. 
And he says, and it's for everybody. Now, it's not just that God is righteous, he says, but God is willing to give you righteousness and to take away your sin penalty and take away the, uh, the, uh, uh, the guilty verdict of the sin that you've committed or the law that you've broken. He says, God's righteousness is there. It's there for all to see. And He's willing to impute it upon you, to give it over to you. It's like uh, God is willing, you know, the, the illustration I gave you at the beginning, if you could change one thing by the snap of your finger, God's ready to snap His finger and make you righteous because of His righteousness. And He says it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not just for those who've been living by the law, the Jews, but it's for everyone. Let me just share with you in a, in a modern context, the righteousness and love of God's not just for you who've been living in a, in a household that's a good family, a good home where everybody pretty much does the right things. It's even for those who've been the worst of people, the worst of transgressors. It's available for not just those who deserve it because they have lived quote unquote live a good life and do uh, do good things it's available for anyone through the faith in Jesus Christ he says it's not just for those who who've lived a heritage of understanding what God desires for you in your life people living in a good Christian home but it's available for those for anyone, even those people who've never understood the righteousness of God until right now. He says it doesn't make any difference between the two. God desires to give everyone His righteousness. He says, and He proves it by the next verse. He says, and this is a verse we all love to, to memorize, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what I love, you hear all kinds of people talk about how uh, this is the imagery of like a uh, an archer standing. Some of you kids that have been to camp and have done archery, you know how hard it is to, to take that bow and arrow and pull it back and, and to let the, the arrow go and to hit the target. Lots of times you, you pull it back and you let it go and it kind of falls to the ground before it even hits near the target. Sometimes you pull it back to adjust and you pull so hard it goes sailing way over the target instead of into the target. Well, that, that's a good analogy for what this verse is saying. All of us have fallen short. We've all tried to, to hit the target and we've failed miserably by missing it. But I want to share something with you that's mentioned here that a lot of us fail to see. And that is is that uh, when God created it, and this goes all the way back to the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis, and so much of the Bible is this way. Paul is saying, in essence, he's saying, look, God created all things to, to give Him glory. God created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created the light and the dark. He created all the plants. He created all the animals to give Him glory. Everything that He did, every time He created it, even when He created man, He said, it is good. And it all gave glory to God before, and then sin came into the world. And sin in essence, robbed the glory of God. It took away from the glory. When, we, uh, when mankind sinned against God and, uh, and Adam, and, and through Adam all mankind, when we sinned, we robbed the glory of God. 
We take away from the glory of God. How do we do that? Because we have sin in our life. Because God's creation that was created to give God glory, God's creation, me and you, everyone that is in this world from the littlest of babies to the oldest of people, all of us were created and are put in this world to give God glory. That is our primary function. But with sin in our life, we can't glorify God. We can't. I can't glorify God if I have sin that I'm harboring in my life, even as a Christian. I can't glorify God if I never accept Jesus into my heart and life. You can't glorify God if you have sin in your life. And anyone who continues to have sin in their life, continues to do things their way instead of following after God, you're not living up to what God designed you to do, God created you to do. It's like... It's like having an engine that's perfectly balanced and perfectly engineered. Every little aspect of that engine is designed to ensure to maximize maximize power from the uh, the gas that's pumped into the carburetors that explodes that creates uh, the movement of the engine. Everything is designed with perfection. One of those uh, Italian-made engines that that is a work of art or a German uh, engine you, you name it you know you name the the best and the be- uh, uh, the greatest of engines that's just uh, handcrafted to give uh, to make this you know, pure machine engine and then you put a, a 59 cent plastic piece in there instead of uh, the engine engineered uh, handcrafted piece that's designed to be there and guess what happens that 59 cent piece of plastic uh, just blows apart when that engine's turned over and it and it degrades the power of the engine and that engine can't perform the way it's supposed to that's sin in our life when we have sin in our lives that we've taken that perfectly crafted thing that God has made that he's declared is good and we've substituted that perfection of his creation for a cheap imitation and that cheap imitation doesn't give glory to God because we're not performing the way we're supposed to we're not living up to the potential that God desires for us we're not being the person that God created us to be but he's, but Paul says, but because of the uh, of our and that's what that's the essence of verse twenty three. All of us have sinned, and because of that, we've come short of glorifying God. We've fallen short of giving God glory because of our sin, and all of us have done that. But he says, but being justified freely by His grace. God's grace. Now that's the big that look, if you haven't called on yet, it that's the big theme of Romans is God's grace. God's grace has provided a way for him and he is and that's what has caused God to do that one thing that could allow us to change and that's it but we're justified freely by by his grace justified meaning we've made god has done that which was necessary to put us back to working order to being just like we were when we were created and he did that freely because of his grace 
And He did that through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What Jesus did was what God's grace set out to do, and that was to justify us. Verse 25, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. To declare, and, and look, here's the thing. God created the only remedy that would fix you. That's kind of like having one of those big expensive engines like I was talking about a minute ago. You can't go in your backyard and open up the hood, or in those cars they're called bonnets. You know, you can't open up the bonnet and you can't reach down into that engine and you take a paper clip and do what that finely crafted piece of machinery was supposed to do and replace that cheap imitation piece of plastic. That's just take, taking one imita- uh, cheap imitation and replacing it with another cheap imitation. Oh no, you've got to take it back to the craftsman. You've got to take it back to him and allow him to put that one and only piece that can go in there to fix you. And that's what Jesus Christ is for us. We've gone back to the designer, back to the creator God, and, and we've gone back to Him, and He's put the only piece that could go in there into our lives that could remedy us, and that's Jesus Christ. What His blood did for us on the cross of Calvary. You see, it's not just simply that Jesus died on the cross and spilled His blood. There's been a lot of men who've died, died for their compatriots, died for other people. You could die for your family members. You could die for your parents or somebody that you care about, but that's not going to give them salvation. That might help them live another day, but that's not going to... That, it's not just simply... And, and look, listen to me. Listen to me. It's God's grace that saves us. It's God's grace, and it's God's grace... And allowing His Son to die on the cross in your place Amen. that saves your soul. It's Jesus Christ dying in your place that has brought you justification, has brought you back into a right relationship with God. And it's only in that, in that thing that Jesus did of dying in your place that pay, that's the only thing that could pay for your sins. You could, you could do good works for the rest of your life. You could give away all your money and every, piece, every uh, cent that is yours and everybody else's and it wouldn't save you. You could go and and you could serve other people. You could you could work with the rejects in Calcutta like Mother Teresa, and you could do all of that, and it's not going to save you. All of the work that Mother Teresa did did not save her. It was whether or not she gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ and allowed Jesus to pay the debt that she never was able to pay. It says, God set forth to be the propitiation through us and through faith in His blood. We, we gain that through faith in what Jesus Christ did to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins. It is the declaration, what Jesus did on the cross, that glorifies God in declare, and it declares the righteousness of God and it restores the glory of God. 
the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the furnace of God. So God takes all the things that we've done and God puts it's like God putting it in a refiner's fire and He puts it all in there through the blood of Jesus Christ. And instead of being burned up to ashes, it comes out a sweet-smelling savor of glory, glorifying God. He says, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and that the justifier of Him which believes in Jesus. You see, God couldn't just simply say, I, I'm... God could not say in His righteousness, okay, I'm just going to say that everybody's saved and everybody's uh, uh, pure and holy. Couldn't do that. He couldn't say that because that would mean He would cease to be righteous. God can't cease to be righteous because He is righteous. And so God demonstrated His righteousness in sending Jesus to die on the cross for us and allowing His uh, precious blood to be spilled in our place that He might be glorified and that His righteousness might be declared. And that, that way, He was able to provide a way of changing us, not by snapping His finger, but giving the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ to die in our place so that His righteousness might be manifest in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the wonderful, best deal that we've ever had. We got a crummy deal through being born in Adam, the first man, but we've got the best deal available by being born again in the second man, Jesus Christ, as Paul said, the second man. This, we had a crummy deal in the fact that we all were born in sin, but we can we all have the the chance of being born again in righteousness through Jesus Christ. And today <coughs> excuse me, today that's my desire for you, that you would accept that wonderful gift of righteousness in Christ Jesus. What he did on the cross for you, that your life might give glory to God, that your life might bring glory uh, to God and that you once again would be that finely tuned instrument, that finely crafted piece of creation that God made to give Him glory, that you might fulfill your destiny, your desire. Look, there's a lot of people that say, I want to know why it is that I'm here. Why am I here? Well, I've told you, it's to give glory to God. You can't do that in your sin but you can do that when you accept Jesus into your heart and life. And then you once again can glorify God by living a life of righteousness in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in prayer.